This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. Design and architecture and the kitchen consultant and the ops team and ownership, all having those communications at the same time, because what works for them operationally is so important. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Lisa Howdy. She's the founder of PDG Studios, formerly Paradigm Design Group, an interior design studio based in Houston that works primarily in the hospitality space. We're still in the early days of feeling the long-term impact of the pandemic. Sure, travel has fallen off and many hotels are wrestling with their future, but as we move through the next 12 to 18 months, there will undoubtedly be ownership changes, brand changes, and many properties will embark on varying types of renovations. I wanted to have Lisa on the show to talk about the design and renovation process from a designer's perspective and the involvement that owners and operations managers need to have to successfully bring a project across the finish line. I believe many of us will be in the weeds with construction before we know it, and I hope this episode covers the high-level points of the process so it goes as smoothly as possible on your property. So let's get to it. This is episode 41 of the Proven Principles podcast, Lisa Howdy, on the past, present, and future of hotel design. Enjoy. Lisa, here we go. Thanks for being on the show. It's great to have you. Adam, it's great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so I there's uh, some specific things that uh, I really want to dive in with you on uh, the show here. But before we get too deep or too, down too many rabbit holes, let's um, maybe give the listeners uh, a, a brief background on who you are, how you got started in the industry, what you're up to today. What's your origin story? Okay, great. Well, um, so I started the company, it'll be 20 years this September, which is kind of scary and crazy all at the same time. Um, but I started the firm in September, almost 20 years ago. And I had a partner then. Um, but in the past year, I've kind of changed all of that. I've bought out my partner. So now it's just me and we rebranded to PDG Studios. But I've been doing hotel work ever since I got out of college. Um, and I love it. Um, it's definitely a passion for me. Um, and the company we are today is so different than the company I was when I started to some extent in just how we, who we are today. I think we've evolved in time, just like anyone would. Um, and today I feel like we're so much stronger and better and, and more, at least I know for myself, I'm a little bit more sure of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Um, but I started out, you know, I went to Baylor University, uh, got my interior design degree. I've been doing design work since high school. Um, I worked for a residential firm starting out and cutting my teeth. And um, then I transferred to Baylor. And then I met Deborah Forrest and really fell in love with hotel work after I met her and worked with her for a while. So just lots of um, great experiences that led me to who I am today. and and super excited to be part of, um, you know, doing hotel work today. It's just, 
it's so fun. It's such a, a great mix between, um, you know, residential and culture and, um, lifestyle and, and how it all interplays and, uh, especially doing creative work, um, definitely a passion. So it's fun. And once it gets into your blood, it's hard to walk away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Try so many times to, to change industries, but it just keeps pulling you back in or keeps, yeah. it kept pulling me back in anyway. But, um, no, that's, uh, you know, and the fact that you're so entrenched in the hotel design world is, is one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on the show today. And, and I'll preface to the listeners, you know, kind of why that is, is, you know, it, there's undoubtedly been so much going on in our industry here. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to be a, a doomsayer, but you know, there's still to be a lot of uh, uh, kind of high level hotel ownership. Uh, kind of, I'm going to use the word clean out uh, with air quotes around it, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the hotel loans have been supported to a certain extent by the government. There's been a lot of foreclosure forbearances and things like that. Now, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but the reason I bring it up is that there's probably going to be somewhere down the road, whether it's six, 12, 18 months from now, several hotel ownership changes, money's still really cheap. There's still a lot of money on the sidelines waiting to get into the, uh, the ownership side of things. People want to you know, get in and, 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 and increase their, their asset load. Um, and with that is going to come hotel renovations, undoubtedly somewhere down the line. So I wanted to, to talk with you about the process of designing and renovating uh, a hotel for anybody who's in operations, who's going to live through it, if their hotel is going to stay open through it, which, uh, which I've done and it could, it could be a lot of work uh, or anybody who is potentially looking to buy a hotel and wants to go through the renovation process or renovate their hotel because they have some money set aside to do that. So uh, kind of casting a wide net around renovations, but I think the topic of, of how to get started and what that process looks like from your side uh, could be pretty beneficial to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the key thing to remember is it is a process and the the most effective and the most efficient one would be when you actually follow the process, it's kind of like if you start skipping steps along the way, it really makes for a rocky situation. Um, and, and it makes it really difficult to, to do it. You know, I, over the years, I mean, like I said, I've had my company almost 20 years now, and we've certainly had our fair share of owners who've tried to fast track something or skip steps along the way. And it just doesn't ever work out. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, in the end, you end up spending more money or spending more time to get to that end result. And um, it just doesn't work. I mean, you need to make sure that you have the, the proper planning set aside to do it. And it's, to some extent, it's kind of methodical, you know, and it's kind of like the best way to do it in an analogy would be like, if you're going to build a house, right, you're not going to put the roof on first, you got to mm-hmm. start with the foundation. And it's really important that you do that foundation correctly, because if you don't, things aren't going to work um, and things are going to crumble and fall. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that that principle is so um, it's true to so many things, especially in hotel operations, where mm-hmm. if you, I mean, you really have to start uh, at the ground. Yeah. And work your way up. So if somebody was to call you, if I, if I called you up, if I owned a hotel uh, and I said, Hey, Lisa, I have a hotel. I want to renovate it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, what's the, how do you get started? Well, the best way to do it is, you know, of course, once we agree to all the financial side of it and timelines, of course, (laughs) um, that's usually a pretty quick little commentary, but, um, but yeah, we'll get through that first. Then, you know, what we do and what we do really well in, and I, I applaud my team because I think this is kind of where we start to excel a little bit. Um, we believe in pulling together that lifestyle, that, that culture of who you are and what this property is and what it wants to be. What is that vision? So we create those storyboards and we create, what is that book that we're going to tell the story for this hotel? And, and we do that through research. We do that through, um, design imagery. We do that through incorporating the culture, the lifestyle, the people, the, you know, what is the direction that this hotel is going to be and and what does it want to look like and how does that story get told? And, you know, once we kind of create that book, that becomes basically the Bible for the entire project. It's something that we refer back to through the entire process. And that if we've done our job really, really well, when we get to the very, very end, you can go back to that preliminary concept books and you can be like, wow, like hmm. we hit the nail on the head, you know, mm-hmm. no if and buts about it. And that's the goal. Like that's what we want to get to ultimately, because that's the story we're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we're going to do, and we usually do it pretty quick is you create that concept narrative, mood board, storyboard, whatever you want to call it, that goes by various different terms. And, um, and then once we get all that approved, we move right into schematic, which is when we start kind of pulling together those preliminary thoughts and ideas. We start doing those preliminary furniture plans. We start doing those preliminary selections. We're, you know, walking the property with you um, initially and kind of pulling together all those details that we need to know so we can really do our job well mm-hmm. and keep moving forward. And again, it's a very collaborative approach between us, between ownership, between um, a brand, if there's a brand affiliated in it, or um, sometimes they're independent. So we don't have the brand, so it makes it a little bit easier, but we work through that process. And then each one, they just kind of keep building and building and building off of each other. And once we kind of get through that schematic process, which takes anywhere from four to six weeks, um, then we run right into design development. And in that process, that's where we get into the fun nuts and bolts of it. We literally pick every single material product. We give you key elevations. Like that's where you see the entire design kind of come to life on paper. And we can show every little detail to you and work through that process with you. And again, very collaborative, you know, we maybe have a vision of a certain fabric and you're like, yeah, I don't really like that fabric or I don't like that material, whatever. Fine. We can, we can reselect and we work together to come up with a program that you as an owner love. Um, and if, again, if a brand's involved, the brand is on board with, and, you know, we work through that process. And again, that process, again, it depends on the complexity of your projects. You know, that process could be a couple of months to a lot longer. Um, again, depends on the complexity of your project and, and the type of brand it might be, um, size of your hotel, et cetera. And then once we kind of get through that development and we've picked out all the nitty gritty little details, then that's when we go in and we start the documentation process and, um, we document it all. We we put it in drawings. We put it into our FF&E specifications. 
um, so that things can get ordered and purchased and, you know, shipped and made and all of that. So again, it's a process and, um, but it's a very, very important process. And when we get into that documentation phase, that's where all those little nitty gritty details are put down on paper and um, everyone sees what they are and understands what it is and signs off on the budgets. And um, we go with that. And mm-hmm. and then, then becomes the fun part where it starts showing up and things start getting implemented and construction is going. And we're very actively involved um, through that entire process with ownerships and contractors and, and all of that. Sometimes there's site visits involved. Again, this is a very loose overview because every project <laughs> is a little bit unique and different and, you know, some are more complex than others. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the basic outline mm-hmm. essentially. No, that's really and helpful. I, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, again, to remember, I mean, if you're just going to do a guest room renovation, obviously that's not as complex as, um, the entire lobby space or a convention center, or, you know, or if you're doing a historic renovation, that's going to be far more complex than maybe a simple little restaurant design. You know, again, every project is its own little unique animal to some extent, but the process is the same or it should be the same. You follow the mm-hmm. same steps um, so that you can get to a really great end result. Yeah. I in, As you were walking through that, I had this, I've had, I've gone through several renovations in my career. And, you know, obviously some have been easier than others. Um, what, what is it that an owner can be prepared for to make the process a little bit easier? And I guess maybe the, the, the sentiment behind the question is, I imagine that you find yourself in positions where the owner doesn't know what the story of the hotel is. Mm-hmm. There's not a, they, they're not able to very well uh, articulate the the vision for the property. It's just, you know, it's a set of rooms and we sell it and maybe they're a little hands-off and they're not sort of involved in the day-to-day mm-hmm. operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine that lack of clarity could be, could slow down the process, but also make it probably a little bit more difficult as you move through the different steps and you get to the point of like hammer swinging in the lobby. Right. Um, well, yes and no. I think, you know, again, sometimes we have some owners that have a very, very clear vision on what it is they're looking for and what they want. Right. And then we have some owners who say, you know what, you're the experts. You tell us what this design needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where our job as being really great storytellers and being able to bring that story to life, um, comes in play. Now, sometimes, again, sometimes owners, it's hard for them to visualize or it's hard for them to understand what we're trying to show them. Again, that's not their expertise. It's mine. Like what I visualize and how I see something is completely different than someone who does numbers. But then again, if I sit there and look at numbers all day, I have a completely different perspective as well. And um, a great appreciation for my CPA. (laughs) <laughs> but um, with that being said, you know, again, that's our job to to do a really, really good job explaining what we're doing and ha- having them understand what that vision is. Now, as an owner, I think it's important that um, to help the process is they need to be able to, you know, communicate and tell us what they like, what they don't like. Um, 
they need to be able to respond in a timely fashion. That's, that's the big problem Mm. sometimes too, is that everyone's super busy and especially owners. I mean, they sometimes have multiple deals going or they have other things that are high on the priority list. And yes, we're doing our job, but there are times when we really need their input so we can keep moving forward. And sometimes, um, there's a misunderstanding of like, oh, we didn't realize you were waiting on us to approve these 35 items so that mm. they could be ordered. And, you know, weeks could go by. Well, that those couple of weeks is weeks that are lost. We can't right. gain it back. Um, so that that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, it's just, you know, everything is, there's a reason why there's a time and a schedule, right? And we want to do our best to make sure that we're communicating clearly what that schedule is so we can stay on track. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes that causes problems. And, you know, and then sometimes too, it's um, things like we have to be, especially in a renovation, we have to be able to manipulate and work around sometimes whatever is in house. Like obviously heads and beds is an important thing. That's how you as an owner makes money. Uh, but sometimes that causes a problem when we're trying to do Um, when we get to the construction side of things, right? Because Mm -hmm. we need access to those spaces. So again, it needs to just be really clear communication with the entire team, not we're just a teeny tiny portion of that, but the entire team just being really clear and understanding, you know, when spaces are available, when construction can be occurring, how does that impact whatever's in house? Um, and planning accordingly for that, but with a realistic time frame and a little bit of a fudge factor um, built in because mm-hmm. it's construction and things happen. And especially nowadays, there's so many things that impact a delay um, on a property uh, from construction. And, you know, all of a sudden the team could be sick and have to be in quarantine or exposed and had to be in quarantine. So that shuts the project down for 10 days oh, or good point. 14 days or whatever. Or product takes longer to get in right now, um, or product's just not available because um, the ports are shut down, or they're they're difficult to get product in, or so everything's just a little bit more complicated temporarily right now, and um, just having a lot of patience sometimes because again it's out of our hands. Like we we can only do so much. So um, again, communication is just really really important, and I think you know. I think it's really helpful if owners understand that and are part of that, you know, solution of making sure that we're all on the same page and working together. Yeah. And you brought up a a good point, actually. It brought a few flashbacks to my, (laughs) into my mind about working through uh, renovations when the hotel was open and heads and beds and wanting to keep that cash register going, uh, partially to maybe have to pay for the renovation. Um, but the the operations involvement in this uh, is critical because you know while there may not be direct um, uh, direct involvement in managing the the renovation, they do have to run the hotel around it mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of cases. Um, so from your side of things, when you're when you're thinking about okay, so you're in the hotel now and construction is going, but it's still open. 
And there's been some contingencies made for how that's going to operate, you know, maybe moving through certain parts of the hotel first or different wings of, of rooms first. What's operations role in all of this, uh, maybe their responsibility from your perspective to make this process successful? How can they help? <laughs> They're like little magicians over there. They just, I don't know, somehow they make it work. Um, I, I think, again, I think it just all boils down to communication. I mean, us as interior designers, you know, especially when you get into that construction phrase, I think you know, we have to be flexible. We have to be creative. Sometimes we have to think outside that box because things happen. I mean, it's construction and unexpected things happen. And we just have to be able to work really closely with ownership, with operations, et cetera, to make decisions quickly sometimes on things that have to change. And, and I think operations too, you know, they, um, they're the ones in the field. They they definitely get kudos because they're working with contractor on a daily basis and they're dealing with guests sometimes who are probably not happy about construction going on or miss the fact that that was written up on TripAdvisor that such and such was closed um, because of construction or whatever. And, and I think that, you know, again, it just all boils down to collaboration and communication mm-hmm. um, and just everybody just all understanding we're one big team and we're all working together. I know for us, you know, for my team and the way I lead my team, you know, we we try to be very empathetic and um, helpful and, you know, quick to respond when when those, when sometimes an issue or a problem does arise because it is time sensitive. And we want to, you know, try to come up with a really good solution that isn't a negative impact on the overall project for time or cost or whatever. But, you know, I think that it's all about just really working together, you know, and, and just remembering we're all a great big team and we're all trying to get to that end result together. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I I love that perspective on it. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think a lot of times ops maybe isn't brought into the process uh, where they, or, or feel like they're not brought into the process early enough where they can have some influence on things like, you know, one of the areas that I know gets a lot of pushback is like redesigning a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, why did they put that there? How did they do this? What were they thinking when they did that? Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, those are comments that, that I've heard in my career. Um, mm-hmm. And and, and I, I think it's so important to, to, yes, you have to involve the operations team in the process just to get their input since they're the ones that are going to have to work with right. some of this stuff on day-to-day basis, but a, also. Yeah. And that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's so key. And it's so important when we're doing buffets or um, bars or even restaurants, if, how that all works and lays out, you've got to have F&B involved. You've got mm-hmm. to have the GM involved. You know, they need to understand what we're placing where and, and, and that it truly is design and architecture and the kitchen consultant and the ops team and ownership, all having those communications at the same time, because what works for them operationally is so important. And it, and we, as the design team need to be able to adjust the design accordingly to work mm-hmm. around that um, component. Because if we have, you know, designed the cash register to be on the opposite side of, and that's going to require the team operationally to, to walk 25, 30 more steps that could 
potentially be a problem mm-hmm. or how you get into the kitchen or the view into the kitchen or whatever it might be. And again, us as designers, you know, that's part of our job to point out like, Hey, did you make sure all these other people have signed off on it too? Because it's, it is critical to the design that again, is collaboration. It's the team, everyone working together to come to that end result. Yeah. And if you're in an operations capacity and your GM or your owner is not involving you push to be involved. Right. You yeah. got to like get, get into your, your GM's office and say, you know, let me see the plans for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we can just make sure that we don't run into any issues down the road when it's too late to change something. Right. Um, yeah. Right. It's, it, you gotta, you gotta kind of be your own advocate to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I have to ask the obvious question about COVID mm-hmm. uh, and how, how you see, or how you're starting to see in your circles discussion around you know, how, if, and how COVID's going to change hotel design uh, and mm-hmm. what hotels are wanting right now. I mean, is that even a consideration? A really great question. You know, all of my owners right now, yes, we, we all understand that COVID is out there and there definitely is um, things that we have to do, you know, in the field to adjust for it, obviously with, with proper spacing and all of that. But all of our owners right now, they're not really changing the design per se in layout or anything like that on what we're doing. We're still putting in the appropriate amount of seating that you would need to fill up that lobby or that restaurant or whatever. And operationally, they're just adjusting in the field with we're going to do every other table or we're just going to make sure people you know, are spaced out when they're sitting or, or we'll temporarily store some of this furniture somewhere else because this is temporary. You know... Yes, it feels like right now we've been in this forever, but you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It won't be that much longer before um, we go back to whatever the new norm is going to be. Hopefully, a better norm. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're still going to need. You know, we're still at some point in time. We're still going to have you know a bunch of people sitting at a bar. We're going to have a bunch of people in the restaurant, etc. And so a lot of my owners are kind of looking at it like, okay, yes, we understand that's what is happening today but we're not designing for today. We're designing for the future. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of, um, we're kind of still moving forward with just being really, really smart with how we're laying spaces out and what have you. What is changing is though that we are implementing more indoor outdoor type space. Um, we're implementing the ability to have more outdoor functions Um, And how does that work? And what does that look like? We're embracing more of an outdoor space and creating that outdoor, you know, the outdoor living room and dining and all that has definitely been on the rise in um, the last couple of years, but now it's even more important that that's incorporated in. Um, So that's a very big push that we're seeing. Uh, The other thing is materials, you know, Mm. the materials that we're selecting, making sure that whatever textiles we're using is bleachable, cleanable um, product that is easy to maintain and a quick fix to clean. Um, Hard surfaces, same thing, things that are not necessarily porous, but again, easily cleanable, easily able to put microban on or something like that. So, you know, paying attention to that kind of those details um, is really important. 
And I think that that's probably good, even in general, you know, even just in general, moving forward. I mean, people are wanting more sustainable materials and what have you. And typically sustainable materials are usually easy to clean and maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more of that probably happening. And and that's kind of been, you know, I would say for a while, we've kind of all been dabbling in that direction anyway, but now it's even more of a bigger push. And you're seeing more and more vendors coming out with, product that meets that criteria. Um, and we, as designers are, are making the choice to use it. So I would say that's probably the biggest things that we we are seeing. I I imagine that whole, uh, that, that material design, uh, industrial material design on the back end, that, that side of the industry has just got to be, uh, just, you know, working 24 seven right now, trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, you know, how to, how to have, uh, not, not just to your point about cleanable materials that you can use in a, a commercial setting, but, um, you know, hard surfaces that disinfect themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, different ways of sanitizing. I, I can only imagine what's going on in the, in the brains of those people. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and again, I mean, it needs to be things that can be easily cleaned with, you know, bleach and, you know, antiseptic type stuff. And I mean, just all of that. And, but you don't want to, scar the surface. So yeah, there's definitely a, um, a big push in that direction, but there has been for a while kind of been going down that path. I think it just got accelerated a little bit faster, Mm -hmm. um, given our current environment. Uh, and then, like I said, the other biggest thing is just that whole indoor outdoor incorporating, you know, that type of design, um, into the hotels. That's such an important component. Uh, and I think even more so now, because again, if you're outside, you, it's a little bit safer, you have, you know, you can distance, but still be safe and all of that. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was the, I keep seeing hotel renovation announcements and even new brand announcements uh, uh, touting uh, lifestyle hotel or you know, boutique hotels that have a, a strong residential feel, mm-hmm. and you know I've been hearing that term now for for a few years. So there's brands that are built around that style mm-hmm. of property, uh, but that's where everybody seems to be running to is a, mm-hmm. a more comfortable sitting in your living room, sitting at your beach house, you know that kind of a, a vibe. Uh, where is, where is that going? Uh, and maybe not, maybe I'm clumsy in asking the question, but like, it seems like everybody's trying to do residential feel. And at some point, you know, this, this style of property needs to start evolving, I would imagine into something, maybe, um, pushing the envelope a little bit. So Mm -hmm. is there, is there anything happening in that space or have you, have you got any thoughts on, on what that term means and where it needs to go? Sure. Another really great question. Um, I mean, our firm specializes in kind of that boutique lifestyle direction in general. So uh, it, it has evolved a lot in the last couple of years. And I think part of it is that people want a sense of place. People want to incorporate, again, it's all about incorporating your location, your your neighborhood. You know, it used to be that we would design a hotel and it could be anywhere USA or anywhere in the world, really. And they all look the same. It was just a box, you know, and it didn't. And, and if you were 
a travel warrior. It didn't matter what city you were in. They all looked the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably why part of this evolved into this direction is that people wanted, you know, something different. I mean, just like when you go to your neighbor's house, it's different and they have their own personality and their own uniqueness that's built into their home. That makes it their home. You maybe don't like everything in it, but that doesn't matter because it's not yours. You don't live in it day to day. And I think that that's probably what's pushed this lifestyle brand a little bit more is people are are searching for that unique experience, um, but they still want sense of place. They don't want a generic box and they want to feel like they've embraced that culture and that location and the vibe of that neighborhood to some extent. Um, so it has evolved into that lifestyle boutique type brand, you know, and, and I think it's going to continue to evolve because you know, it's going to become even more intentional um, with what is that design. And I think as designers too, we're being pushed to create these moments or this design that is just, you know, where you walk in and you're like, wow, this is really beautiful. And it becomes inspirational to some extent too, where people are like, ooh, I want to like put that maybe in my house, that little piece of art or that idea of the way that millwork was done or whatever it might be. Um, but it, again, it's something that they feel comfortable in and, and they embrace, right. They take like little snapshots in their head and they think mm-hmm. about it and they're like, wow, I really, really like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, you know, just even look at social media, how much social media has grown and changed even in the last two years. And, you know, look at the amount of influencers, even in social media today. Um, if somebody, somebody can literally go overnight. I mean, like a TikTok to some extent, right? Like they can literally do one little thing and then overnight all of a sudden becomes this crazy sensation. (laughs) Well, it's, it's the same thing to some extent. And I think that's, what's happening with the brand, even to some level, the lifestyles, like, how are you, how are you capturing, you know, what it is we as people are wanting to see and embrace and experience, but also creating that next level, that next element, what is that next thing that we're striving for? And I think, again, that's where designers and architects come in play because we're always thinking outside the box anyway. Um, it's our creative minds (laughs) always at work, Yeah, but Um, yeah, just creating like, what is that comfy, cozy feeling that embraces you and makes you want to go there? Um, just like when you go home and you want to go grab your slippers and your comfy, cozy pants and Mm -hmm. sit and watch a movie with your family or whatever, you know, it's the same thing. You want to give that same feeling. You bring up a good point about social media. Does it, does, does, does that influence at all, uh, how, you or or the industry thinks about designing hotels and, and restaurants and some of these F&B places, um, you know, where you want to maybe have places that could be good spots for people to, to take pictures and highlight some of the design mm-hmm. elements of a hotel, you know, make it Instagrammable, you mm-hmm. know, for lack of a better term. Yes, it is. a It, it really is a big component of um, design. And it's funny that you say that because 
I almost feel like every project you do to some level now, you're like, okay, what is our Instagram mm. portion? <laughs> Where's our little spot <laughs> where somebody can do their photo? Uh, because it is, again, it's part of our culture today. And, you know, if you're truly embracing the people who are coming to the hotels, and again, it varies a little bit, obviously, with whichever level you're doing and which brand you're doing, they all, you know, because each one has their own little target market, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I'm going to go and do a hotel at Buckingham Palace, I have, you know, a certain expectation in my mind, right? So my Instagram moment is I want that London queen, mm-hmm. you know, true pomp and circumstance feeling, right? So if I put something totally modern in that place, it'd be kind of like, oh, this feels really out of place, right? Right, right. But if I was doing a property in Jackson Hole, you have a totally different expectation of what it is and embracing that culture, that location and, and that neighborhood to some level. Mm -hmm. And so what would that Instagram moment be? And maybe it's some, it could be as simple as there's some stuffed local animal that's there, Mm -hmm. but maybe he's, maybe he's done in a really abstract avant-garde way. And that becomes that total Instagram moment. That's like, the Mecca that everybody goes to, to go see, because it's so cool and it's so different. It's so unique, but it's such a fun play on that culture and that environment and that neighborhood. And so, yeah, I think it's, it is something that, again, we as designers, like we see big picture, we see beautiful design, we see a vision, right? But sometimes we want to have fun with it too. We're, you know, we're, we're designers. Oh yeah. And so it's a fun way for us to also kind of play with the design a little bit and add that unexpected moment, which I think is always fun. I love that. Lisa, this has been uh, incredibly enlightening. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of walk through uh, all of the, the intricacies of, of hotel design and, and making sure everybody's on the same page. This was, this was great. Um, if people want to learn more about you or maybe see some of the work that you've done in the past or get in touch with you, what's a good place for them to go? Our website's a great spot to go. Um, the website is www.pdg-studios.com. And if you want to reach out to me, you can certainly go into our info box and send an email and um, it will definitely get to me and we'll respond as quick as possible. But uh, thank you again for having us. This was so much fun and hopefully we can chat again soon. I think there's always so much fun stuff to talk about with hotels. I'd love to anytime. Uh, And I'll link to your website in the show notes. If anybody uh, just scrolls down, they'll be able to find it there. So Lisa, thanks again. This was great. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. This was my episode with Lisa Howdy. Be sure to check out PDG Studios website and Instagram page. I'll link to both in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a business strategy or just need someone to talk to about a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.